Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the True Rebellion podcast. This is Andrew Korianik. Here with me today are Pasquale Neri and Lacey Diapiste. Say hello to all the lovely people out there. Hi. Hello, peoples. <laughs> Good to hear from both of you. Uh, today's episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into some of the articles that I have written to see how they fit together and to see how they're consistent with the overall theme of the mission statement and our grassroots spiritual revolution. And I think a good place to start here would be with the Porn Kills Love article um, because I think it poses a problem that uh, a lot of me uh, men and uh, a growing number of women are facing these days. Yeah, from there, I think maybe some solutions with some of the articles that, that they present. That's a great place to start. I love that article because there's really like, there's so much practical advice in there. And then also there's like all this scientific and spiritual discussion about stuff that I didn't even realize, you know, um, that, uh, you know, in that kind of depth. So I, yeah, that's a great article. I really liked it. Yeah, it was, um, it was both fun to write and almost difficult at the same time because, you know, this, uh, this is a subject that's actually very near and dear to me. Uh, my own struggles in the past with something like this uh, are something that I've very recently gotten over, and I think I've, uh, I've beaten in a way. And it took, um, it took a very long time and a lot of research myself to kind of understand why I was using it the way I was and why it seemed to have such a stranglehold over my life. And so that made it, um, that made it actually in a way, uh, it was a challenge to overcome, but also an opportunity to grow at the same time. And I think that's, um, that's something that people who do have this problem with addiction to porn, uh, can start to realize so that they can overcome it themselves. Right. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that, you know, it's no different than being addicted to nicotine or, or heroin. And, you know, I think a lot of, especially like a lot of younger people uh, who, you know, don't really remember time before the internet, not that we're old, you know, we're in our thirties. Um, but people who don't remember time before the internet really don't appreciate how big of a shift this was for society to go from the days where porn meant, you know, like, the odd Playboy magazine or, you know, there's some theaters on the seedy side of town or the uh, back room at your video store. Now, all of a sudden, it's in your home, on demand, everything you could ever want. And people are watching. So many people watch it every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And it's just like a total shift for society for the first time in human existence we have access to this stuff like this. Yeah, that's right. And the, the technology, like you said, has, is it's growing by leaps and bounds and it's continuing to grow. You know, I can remember uh, when I was really young, like in junior high school, my friend found his dad's Playboy magazine and it was almost comical how like silly it was because it was just this, you know, paper with naked ladies on it. <laughs> and now you know, the way technology has advanced, you're immersed into the actual action and things like ASMR and binaural beats and these almost hypnotic qualities kind of draw you deeper and deeper into the medium. And it like, like I say in the article, it makes you feel like you're like in a matrix level style of immersion. And when something is that potent and your mind and your body get used to that. Like you're not going to want anything else. You're going to keep seeking that out because that's how addiction works. <clears throat> right. You know, like when your mind sees something like that, your mind doesn't realize that this is, you know, on a computer screen, that this is fantasy stuff like that. Like your mind thinks that that's real, that that's happening right now, right next to you. You know what I'm saying? That you're somehow 
part of the action. And I mean, you know, if you're if you're uh, seeing yourself at the same time, you kind of are. And and, you know, you're giving that sexual energy to what? To a to a screen, you know, to to uh, a, a piece of equipment rather than to another human being. But your mind just gets so hooked. And I mean, that article just describes in real depth all the different ways uh, that it changes your just your perfect your perspectives, all the psychological effects, all the indeed physical effects. You know, the dopamine addiction dopamine release all that like this isn't like a moral issue you know we should make that clear it's not like we're a bunch of prudes like no like like we great have great sex lives and all the more for it because we don't really watch porn um you know we're not a bunch of prudes here this isn't a moral thing this is about this is literally changing your brain chemistry and the way you perceive the world in a negative way Right, exactly. Um, that's a that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, we're not trying to say that this should be outlawed or anything like that. People are free to make their own decisions, particularly adults. But that's also another problem, as you said uh, at the beginning. There's so much easy access to this now that even any kid who has a phone and an irresponsible parent <laughs> can access right. pornography. At the touch of a button. And I've even read articles that state, you know, kids on school buses at the age of 10 who have cell phones are like watching porn on the way to school. Yeah, that's so just. That... Go ahead. No, I'm just, like, that's just like, it, it, that saddens me to hear, to hear stuff like that. You know, it, like, it's truly, it's truly sad that that's how kids are exposed to sex these days because it's not even sex, you know, it's, it's. Uh, you know, it's shot for the visual effect, not for the enjoyment of the actors. And, you know, you go into this in the article, too, you know, like the stuff that you see depicted on screen is so often, you know, when you, you know, you get more and more into like the hardcore kinky stuff and stuff like like it's it's so far divorced from any kind of healthy um, sex and the thing is is that where are these kinks coming from they're coming from the minds of pornographers you know there's this uh moment in game of thrones that i really love where little fingers talking about his brothels and he says at one point he's talking about desires that didn't exist until we invented them and that's like a really apt description of the porn industry these days is that you have these pornographers coming up with these new and innovative ways and scenes to get your attention, to get you to click on their video as opposed to somebody else's. And so they're coming up with all this really bizarre stuff and people get hooked on it. You know, people get hooked on it. Their desires change match what they see on screen when if they had never seen it on the screen in the first place they would have never you know never ever even entertained yeah that's that's very true and not that i'm comparing this to a horror movie but there's a scene in the movie called scream where the main character one of the main characters when he's found out to be the killer in the movie says that, you know, horror movies don't make psychopaths, but they make psychopaths more creative. So in a way, it's, it's kind of similar to that, you know, right. it's, it's drawn, it's, it's, uh, it's projecting this into people's minds and the people that consume it, not everybody, but a, a sizable percentage will look at that and think like it's coming directly from their own imagination and it's merely supplanting that imagination with something else. Right. You know, that's why you never like, like you never, you never really feel good. Like about, about, you know, like you can feel the energetic crush, you know, like I remember like I, you know, like I like a lot of guys, you know, like in college and stuff, I used to watch porn, not really, not anymore. Um, uh, but you know, you never, you like, it's, it's just like crushing weight, um, uh, on your shoulders, like, like constantly that just kind of like after three days, three days of not watching porn, you feel the difference in your brain and your body too. Like 
it, it's profound. It's truly profound. And, you know, because that's just, just so low frequency, you know, just bringing you down in every single way. Yeah, and it, it, it crushes your relationship with yourself in that way and definitely your relationship with other people. Uh, there's a video in the, embedded within the article about Terry Crews and how as he continued to watch porn more and more, he began to view people as less and less like people and more just like almost mannequins. Like he, he was just, they were just objects for him to, to position whatever way he wanted and to, to think about however he wanted. And, it, you know, it has those kind of drastic effects sometimes the deeper and deeper you get into the addiction. And, you know, that, that kind of leads into this like spiritual aspect of things too because you discussed how it leaves this kind of draining, almost crushing feeling upon you. And that's because you're, you're misusing your vital sexual energy, which is a powerful force, right. your chi, your and you're, you're wasting it. You're not cultivating it to use it for something, something exciting or wonderful or, or loving. You're, you're just kind of just spilling it. Right. And you know, the analogy somebody told me once about this that I really like is like, you know, you think about like boxers. Okay. When boxers swing and miss, it costs them a lot more energy than if they swing and land the punch, you know, it tires them out a lot more and a lot faster when they miss a punch than when they hit it. So like, when you're watching porn and using your sexual energy that way, it's like missing the punch. Whereas if you're having sex, it's like landing the punch, you know, I don't know, Lacey, you want to jump in here. And I should say her last name is, uh, you know, she had her last, her last name hyphenated, but she prefers just to go by the, the second one, Lacey Smith. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I like to kind of play, um, devil's advocate a little bit if that's okay with everybody yeah go ahead um you know i've never i don't know if it's because i'm a female or what the deal is but i've never really dove into the concept of porn for myself i don't know i know that there's um I've read articles on how, you know, like males need more of like a visual context to be able to achieve like their climax and like pull themselves out of it and stuff. I think um, women don't necessarily always need that type of visual, but something that like, so in, in the world that I exist in, this quantum kind of concept of world um, of like manifestation and things like that, we often talk about... Um, how you can actually use orgasms to manifest because it is the point of all creation, kind of like the Big Bang. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting, you know, when you think about it. So behind it becomes a lot of intention and, and like what's happening thereafter, you know. If you're watching porn or something like this and, you know, during or after the fact, there's like shame and guilt associated with it. Obviously, our manifestations aren't going to be proper. Um, and so, you know, they can use, you can use porn and things like that to get to a place, I, I suppose, for manifestation. But um, my, my point is, you know, I'm glad you say that because, you know, and, and like, and I hear you, I hear you loud and clear. And it's like, well, can you ever then in that situation be, be using porn to achieve manifestations through orgasm without manifesting something that you don't want to manifest something negative because like, like it, it like the, from what I, what I hear, what I hear you saying is that like, if you want to use it appropriately, you got to be in the right headspace, you know, like in the moment and then afterwards. But does that even, does porn even allow for that? You know, and it's like, that's the other thing is like, people have been seeing to their own needs for a long time before porn came along. All of a sudden, you know, it's like, I know, I know a bunch of guys who tell me like that they can't get off without it. And it's like, what? what's that about? Um, so it's like, yeah, it does. Can you ever be in that headspace while you're watching porn? Is it even a possibility? See, to me, that creates like a disassociation with self then at that point, like how they're using it. That's the intention, you know, 
if you when you manifest you you have to have like a end goal in mind like what's your visualization like you can use it to manifest a house and you start to create that vision so I don't know you could pick a porn that's in a beautiful mansion and things like that but then again too like are you you know what if you use it with your partner to manifest something you know what I'm saying like and that's the other thing, you know, like, I'm glad you brought that up too. like the watching between couples. I think it takes on a completely different dynamic when a couple is watching porn together. It's a, you know, a completely different dynamic. And it's like, since we're, you know, in this realm of sex, it's like, you know, yeah, if we're you, if you're using orgasm to achieve manifestation, then you're going to be most often uh, manifesting things within the realm, I feel of love, you know, and relationships. So like, if you're watching, if you're watching porn and, and getting off that way, you know, what are you, what do you manifest? You're, you're man. Are you manifesting the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, what the actors, what you're seeing on screen, you know, or the, the, energy, the whatever or the hide it. That would be something else, you know. You're only manifesting more guilt and shame at that point if you're if you're sneaking away to do it alone, you know. Yeah, you know that's a definitely, and that's especially a problem for people who have relationships, who are in relationships, you know, and feel like they need to hide it from their partner. And that's never good, you know, to feel like you need to hide something from your partner. That's never good for your energy level. I think that says a huge part for our um, society in general. I think in European cultures, for example, like um, Perusian. like uh, people in France, they're very like um, sexually open, you know, Um, we have been kind of taught that it's like a, um, like a no, no conversation, you know, like, don't talk about your lady parts, like keep everything separate. Those are private, you know, so society, I think has a lot to do with the level of shame around it. But I think as far as like, to get back to like the porn thing, I think the part that scares me the most is um, he was, Andy, you mentioned the, is it ASMR and the binaural beats? I'd like to hear more about that because for me, I use binaural beats to actually like get into deep sleep with like Delta frequency. Meditate. Meditate, yeah, with theta and get creative. And, you know, frequency is immensely important because we are mostly water and water holds a frequency more than anything else on the planet. So that's what's the most scary to me because it's incredibly influential beyond our control. Yeah, you know, um, this is something that I feel that has crept into the industry more and more as the technology itself has developed. And, you know, like with anything, something that can be used for good, like religion can lift your spirit up to the highest heights, but it can also be used for, for evil and it can drag you down. And something like this, like ASMR and binaural beats that can actually help. And I've used them in the past to help me sleep or to help like you know elevate my mood um those things can just as much be used for for negative things and i noticed as from my own personal experience that these these methods were just kind of subtly being implemented into scenes in the background and you know you're so focused on the visual stuff that's going on for the most part that you might not these subtle sounds and the subtle beats being right. in the you background. Don't you don't pick up all the stuff. Like your subconscious is going crazy when you're watching porn. Your subconscious is overloaded with stimuli. And then you throw in those things like those binaural beats, which you're right. Like I read an article about the, about how the industry is incorporating stuff like this. And when you throw all that in there, like your subconscious mind is just, you know, like completely hypnotized. And then what's, and then what does that do to you? In the end, what, what it does is it replaces sex with porn. It replaces sex with porn and, and it replaces love with porn. It's like, it's like you, you become so entranced through these things. And it's not just the auditory, it's the camera techniques too. you know, the points of view, all of that you become so hypnotized, so deep under the spell that sex and love get replaced with porn. Yeah. And it's, it's like I said, it was like a seamless transition, even though the technology has been developing all this time, 
And, you know, when it comes to things like binaural beats and ASMR, like I said, they're, they're not negative things in and of themselves, but when you apply it to this medium, it's just like on your subconscious mind and the the viewer will have almost no idea that it's going on unless they're already right. aware of these concepts and i mean the other thing to think of uh, to bring in here too is that these days between all the social media and video editing software and stuff like that and and free point of a uh, free porn available uh to download people are becoming junior pornographers you know what do they do they download the video from from uh from whatever website they cut it up they do stuff like insert those binaural beats and and music and stuff like that and they turn uh the the video into a total sensory overload experience and then upload it to the internet you know what i'm saying and that's where you know that's where shit's really getting scary especially you know then when you turn to younger kids it's like between snapchat and 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 uh, what Instagram, TikTok, like every kid's a junior fucking pornographer these days. And it's it's you know, it's I mean, damn, it's it's jarring at times to see. Yeah, I think it's scary because everything is so accessible and, um, you know, some decisions of like, you know, people can be influential in a way that that gives false false ideas as to what it means to like be beautiful or empowered or things like that. You know, um, the, the whole, the whole, uh, what is it? They're like private pages. Fans only pages are really big now on like Snapchat and Instagram. Um, so, I mean, not even the people who are becoming the pornographers, but people who are, you know, joining, joining the realm of it, you know, as it's incredible. Right, right. You know, they're signing up to somebody's thing and it, it's like the the one on one nature of it, you know, like it's all it's like really, you know, like substituting for sex in so many ways. Like if somebody's getting their porn over Snapchat, you know, and it's like this one on one, you know, it's like this girl with her camera, you know, like that feels almost like. You're talking to your girlfriend like that video is just for you. You know what I'm saying? But no, obviously it's not. And and uh, you know the other concept to bring in here is you know there's this idea in the zeitgeist right now in society that hey you know what as long as we're talking about consenting adults then whatever gets you off that's okay that's okay and I say. Fuck no. I say, hell no. There's no, just because it gets you off doesn't mean it's okay. So many sexual fetishes and kinks and fantasies are rooted in very deep, uh, uh, dark psychological places, you know, or are rooted in very deep wounding and they manifest as these, as these unhealthy psychological or sexual kinks that can never possibly result in a, a meaningful, loving relationship. And you know what? Again, I don't want to sound, when I say meaningful, loving relationship, I'm not trying to sound like a prude. I'm just saying that like, it's shit. Those are just way more rewarding than a relationship with your computer is. Absolutely. And it's interesting you bring up that, uh, that these kinks and fetishes kind of bubble up seemingly out of nowhere, but in fact they are, they are projected onto our subconscious and into our minds. Um, this is not, this isn't even a, a new thing. Like in the, in the ancient world, like I say in the article, these sex rituals and orgies were conducted uh, mm-hmm. to, for the purpose right. of harnessing the sexual energy. Um, it was eternal so, life. You know, right. You know, do all sorts of magic with that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you know, you, you, you put it in a modern context and in a way you are actually potentially participating in a very similar ritual by watching porn with, with it doesn't even have to be a similar theme to those ancient rites and rituals. It's just the fact that you're engaging in a, like an orgiastic right, kind and of you don't release even of need to know what you're and fully it, engaging in to engage in it. Like, and that's really scary is that, that you could be participating in this really kind of esoteric occult 
underbelly of society against your will and without your knowledge. Right. And, and, and you know, that's the, that's the more pernicious part of it. And I, I could not say for certain that is the intent of no, the people yeah. who produce this kind of stuff. But when there you know i think it's uh it's it's yeah it's not the, definitely it's not the people who are and making so this stuff it's the people who are funding it, you know they just they just pick their favorites and go exactly. hey here's a million bucks run wild you know well right and i mean i, I also say in the article too there's there's evidence of this stuff on tv not just in the way that sex is portrayed which there is of it i mean just turn on netflix and you can see people having sex on almost any adult tv show that's out right now but uh, i mean in shows like true detective and movies like um eyes wide shut these, these very rituals were depicted uh in, in the way that they were performed in the ancient world because they understand the power of sex and how that energy Andy, can be cultivated and we got to get you a new phone, brother you you're cutting in and out a little bit or at least on my end um I think that's a good note, you know, like I, like you wanted to talk about the October 1st or, uh, you know, uh, October, art, uh, the Vegas article, too. I think that's a good point to move on to the next topic, right? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, so, I, I mean, something that we've talked about uh, in the way that porn affects human beings I think it goes a long way towards manipulating how we perceive the world and our attitudes towards the world. And that was kind of the theme of my mass shooting article. Um, because, you know, when, when something like a mass shooting happens, you, it, especially the one that happened here in Vegas, it, it's almost like the story afterwards was ready to go. The media was all over it already jumping to conclusions about what was going on and because of the way we consume media we're already forming like an attitude and perception about the situation based on uh, information right. and you know let's just case. make clear real quick and and, not that we have anybody listening now but i can foresee people coming back and see, listening to where we started when let's just make clear for people that you were you weren't just it's not like you just live in vegas you were there at the hotel where the shooting took place during the shooting like this was firsthand witness yes you know like you were there I I was probably 200 yards away from the shooter. I could see him shooting out of the window of Mandalay Bay based right. on where I was. Make that at clear before you continue. I'm sorry um, to interrupt, but that's an important detail. That is an important detail. Um, and, you know, that being said, um, th there's a lot to unpack there with how it made me feel personally, but ultimately what I what I want to get across to people is that, you know, in much the same way that kind of to relate it back to the porn article in much the same way that porn has this kind of influence over us, the media also has an influence over us. And we live like as Dave Chappelle said in the age of spin. So it's very difficult to kind of know who to trust. Um, so you have to learn how to trust yourself a little bit more and know that you have complete control over your attitudes and perceptions that nobody else really can control at the end of the day. And it's very easy to get caught up in, oh, you know, there's so much violence out there and it's all so horrible. And, you know, if you watch TV for five minutes, of course, you're going to see how horrible the world can be. But what I found in the midst of all of this was I don't have to think that way because I know that humanity is, is good at heart. And based on what happened the day after the shooting, you know, we, we all gathered together at the hospital that most of the victims were taken to, and we were praying with people. We were handing out food and water. I mean, there were so many people. There were thousands of people there trying to find ways to help. And that's when I saw what humanity mm -hmm. was really made of. It wasn't the actions of the one guy to focus on. It was the Even during, right? Weren't there so many people that we really that, need like, to consider? To go back to pick people up, like they went and got cars and came back and filed strangers in cars. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, from average everyday citizens to Lyft drivers, uh, you know, 
they were just picking people up in the streets and getting them out of the danger zone. Um, you know, police officers and paramedics were just driving into the shooting as it was going on, you know, uh, as people were running away. So, like, the first responders played a big role there. Um, and it, it was actually, it, it was, of course, I didn't think about it in the moment because I was more concerned with getting the heck out of there. But in retrospect, you're absolutely right. Like, when you think about just how much was going on in the moment, too, that same level of love that people have for each other innately started to shine forward in the midst of Yeah, it's really chaos. overwhelming, actually. Like, I, whew, it takes my breath away, even just, like, listening to you talk about it and brings tears to my eyes. It's it's really so intense. Like, the emotional resonance that it, that it still can hold, you know, is really insane. And, you know, one time I had a conversation with one of my mentors about things like this, like, you know, because people always pose the question, like, if, you know, if, if God or whatever exists, like, why do terrible things like these shootings happen? And um, what her answer was for me is that, like, and maybe it's a bit uh, woohoo for some people listening, but basically, like, our souls, like, each soul, we sign contracts before we come here. There, there are purposes. Uh, for each and every one of us and those souls that signed up that lost their lives they signed up for the greater purpose to expand the hearts of the people that are left on the planet and I mean everything you just said is is a pure statement that that proves that to me personally you know I think it's it's crazy to look at it like that sometimes you know on the full spectrum of it I, you know, and I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, when people say that to me, um, like my response, I, I respond uh, sim- like, I, simply. I just say, uh, well, these bad things happen because of people. Like, let's just connect the dots here. We, we, we talk about how, you know, uh, free will is uh, one of our greatest gifts, you know, how we have free will and, or, you know, and if you're a religious person, how God gave us free will, the opportunity to choose. And then some of us choose violence. You know, it's not like you can't have free will and then just throw up your hands every time somebody exercises that free will uh, to do something bad or evil. I mean, it's like it's like these things exist together. Yeah, I could foresee it for society where nobody chooses to exercise their free will that way, but we're a long way from that. And it's like, so God doesn't have anything. God doesn't have anything to do with this. This is our soul's journey here. This is what we're meant to experience in this, in this lifetime. Yeah. Um, uh, I, 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 I jumped on that because, you know, um, the same question came up. One of my, my cousin had a four year old son who, uh, drowned in a pool. Okay. When he was, when he was four and, and uh, I mean, I was really close to my cousin. I am. And I was really close to the kid. I was playing sword fight with him the week beforehand. And I being the writer in the family, I was chosen to give the eulogy for the four-year-old kid. You know, it's like you expect to give a eulogy for old people at some time in your life, but not for a four-year-old kid. And so what, question did i have to take on during that eulogy it's like oh why why does suffering exist why do bad things happen to good people why you know if if god is good why do bad things happen all of that and so like these i've spent so much time just pondering those you know those deep philosophical questions our innate our innate our innate like purpose in life is love it's you know, I think the article is all about that, like choosing love over fear, you know, and what's going to empower us. And we are mm-hmm. all connected and that yes. heart space is huge, you know. Right. That's exactly what the article is, is about. You know, it's an expose, his first person account about how he chose love over fear, how the city came together and chose love over fear. Like you said, that heart space is huge and this, the city of Las Vegas shared it in the, the aftermath, you know? And I mean, even to this day, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about it in the news, 
um, except when the anniversary comes around. But here in Vegas, you know, it's definitely a big deal. And you can see people are definitely coming together and right. they got the Vegas strong logo everywhere. Like you know, like it's a big, yeah, I mean, that's, and of course, that was a big event. And, you know, I want to yeah. say, too, I, I, I've yeah, said this before, but I'll say again, like, I appreciate, I really appreciate you writing that. Like, so how that article came about, um, when, when Andy and I first conceived of the magazine, when it had a different name and all of that, um, you know, we're talking almost a year ago now, um, getting some weird feedback, uh, almost a year ago, I said, Andy, your first article, you got to write your experience of that shooting, the first-hand account, you know, introduce yourself to your readers that way. Um, that can't be easy. Uh, I'm really, I really appreciate you writing that. Well, thank you. I mean, it was, um, that was not an easy article to write uh, because there's so much that happened that night that, didn't make it in the to the article for various reasons, but the the message that came across is definitely like it's definitely how I feel in my heart, you know. And like I say near the end of the article, it's it's very easy to become cynical and afraid because of what one person does. But when when you really look at the broader picture, the bigger picture, you can see that that's not how most people are, and it's really important to remember that. And that was a lesson that. You know, I, I feel like I knew, but that that experience really drove it home. And you me. just said it, it so well, man. Know you know, because like for people who hear about the Las Vegas, don't live in Vegas and hear about the Las Vegas shooting. What do they see? They see the news about the shooting. They see all the ugly stuff. They see all the nasty coverage. You know, they see the pictures of the hotel with the window blown out, all of that. But they don't get to see the city of Las Vegas coming together. You know, so for those of us watching it from a, from afar, like you, we get all the negative, but none of the positive. And that's why I love your article and your story is like, so you share with people who only got the negative side, this, like the way that the city came together and chose love over fear. Let people know like, hey, even when ugly stuff happens, it's not all ugly, despite what you see on the news. Well, right. And it kind of goes back to what uh, you and Lacey had said earlier. You know, violence is going to happen. Like, there's no, there's no avoiding that. That's the nature of the world that we live in. But also at the same time, you know, we may have signed a spiritual contract to come here to, in a way, quote unquote, suffer, you know, it's not necessarily a specific, uh, a specific way of suffering, but that you will have to suffer. And that's just part of the nature of existence. But despite all the suffering, despite all the violence, like you do in fact have control over your attitudes and perceptions about how the situation is. That, that was the most important thing that I had to get across to everybody. because that's, Right. That's very much the really choice what between love and fear is a choice and i mean only the only person who can make it for you is you um no matter how ugly things look uh, especially when things look ugly um it's on you to make that choice for yourself love you know, over fear. in stating that you know you said for to come here um to suffer you know i think it's I think it's uh, in Buddhism, they say something like that, like we're here to suffer. I, I had a friend say it to me once, you know, like, we're just here, we're here to suffer. And I initially didn't agree with that, you know, like, like, I, I won't, that's not my fate to be a victim and, and suffer. But I think the idea behind it is, like you're saying, is, is that choice through through suffering, we have the ability to see the dual perspective in it and, and gain love out of it. That's actually the vital purpose of suffering is to create heaven on earth. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's like in your, in your uh, article, Lacey, about uh, coping with uh, and uh, processing our triggers today. You said, you know, um, uh, how, I was just picking that up. Um, 
<laughs> Never mind. Uh, for, I, I, I lost that train of thought, but maybe it'll come back to me. No, that's that's a very interesting point, and you know, I think it, as far as suffering is concerned, there's very legitimate suffering that we are all here to kind of experience. And I think Buddhism teaches you to take joyful participation in suffering. Not that you you relish in it, but or you relish it, but that you understand that it's just going to be a yeah. part of life, and that you, again, you're choosing to have yeah. more elevated perspective on it to love instead of letting it consume you, because we live in a universe i mean so would we really know pain if we didn't know love or we would really really know love if we didn't know fear like those kinds of things have to help us understand that there's uh that there's it, more going on than just these actually. dualistic principles that we can that we can love them in a way yeah and it's it's a wonderful lesson to learn and i i really hope that you know, whoever happens to read the article uh, really takes that to heart and begins to see, you know, when when bad things are happening, when riots in the streets are going on or whatever it happens to be that, you know, you don't have to let yourself succumb to that mentally or otherwise. It takes but work. I mean, it takes work. But yeah, the choice is always yours. And there are things that can help you, you know, reach that, you know, taking self-care, all these topics that we talk about, meditation, you know, physical activity, uh, eating right, stuff like that. Um, I, th- I don't know. I think that – go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that that's a good uh, way to transition into the final article um, because the gardening article that I wrote uh, is a, obviously more lighthearted. <laughs> And it deals with um, right you know, five ways gardening, gardening is, is good for the soul. Do for you uh, what? It can do. Yeah, um, one of those things being you know how it allows you to be creative, be creative, and build um, community. And build I'm community. sorry, I'm repeating it because you cut uh, out at both you know, points. Be creative and build community um, is what he said. I, I, this one and this one too. You know, it's like. Uh, it's such a good article um, and really uh, you know you could feel how much Andy loves this topic from the writing and just you know encourage everybody to check it out uh, trueweb.com um, uh, and you'll see it there five ways gardening is good for the soul it's you know it's real it's really good um, uh, and, and surprising. See, like, that's the thing. It's not like every other gardening article you're going to write um, or you're going to read. It's There's some really surprising stuff in there. And when he said, like, that was a good point to transition to the gardening article, it's, it's like, yeah, you know, making that choice of love over fear is never easy. So you want to put yourself in the best position possible to do it. And the way to put yourself in that position is through things like meditation, yoga, proper diet, gardening, you know, whatever really like gets you going, um, uh, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and gardening. Right. Uh, it's not as very difficult as it seems, not by path. any means. And you grow uh, a lot more food than you think. Right. And I, I mean, I am no expert on the subject, but uh, in the time that I have been gardening, uh, I've just noticed all of these changes start to take place. And if nothing else, at the end of the day, it's it's fun. You're you're putting right. a seed in the ground and you're taking care of it like it's, it's your child. Have you ever, you're have you ever been able to it. garden and like stay mad? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very interesting point because I've been mad while I've been going out to the garden, but then when I'm out there, it's just like, wow, it's right. just me and it's nature. And right. It's hard to, to think about anything other than the soil and, and the plants when you're And it's an exchange, too. There's like scientific right. evidence that as soon as like a human and a plant are in the same vicinity, in the same energy field, they both affect each other. 
you know, like if you are constantly angry and you're like filling soil and pruning plants and things like that, most likely they'll start to die. Um, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They respond to, to sound too. And all the, uh, they, I mean, they're just so intelligent in so many different ways. Really. I feel like, I feel like botany should be a regularly taught class for all children onward through high school because plants are just like once you once you start to scratch the surface of what plants can do, all these crazy different things that different plants can do, it's just like and the bond with them is very real, you know, whether it's the tree outside your house or the ones inside inside like the bond with them is very real. Like Lacey just said, you affect each other on an energetic Yeah, level. we're all made of very similar things, you know. Um, so the earth is actually one of the main sources that can transmute, like basically alchemize our energy, you know. Connecting with nature keeps us grounded, yeah. keeps us happier, more calm. Lots of science. Right. And the scientific evidence here is just like, like uh, every, every, like in every way, just like being in nature or, you know, digging your hands in the soil, you know, going into the ocean, all these different things are just so good for you in every way. And it's like, it used to, it used to just be called ancient wisdom. Now, uh, now it's like, all right, we're starting to get scientific data to back it up, but I don't even like, who cares? I'm on the kind of like, I don't care if there's science, that scientific data to back it up. Like you feel it, you know, like you feel it. I have a question for Andy. Like, what is it that, cause you said, you know, you're not, um, incredibly like well-versed, but you've begun your journey in it. Like what pushed you to become interested in gardening in the first place? It, it's you know i nobody's ever really asked me that oddly enough but what part of what got me into it was uh the fact that i had been on furlough from work and now currently laid off and so i had all this kind of this extra time to myself and i was just like well what am i going to do with all this time i don't want to just waste it by sitting around in the house or you know pacing back and forth worrying about what i'm going to be able to do with myself and so my girlfriend and I decided, well, you know, this is something that we always thought about doing, but we weren't really sure how to do it. So we just we got up and we're like, let's just go buy some seeds, buy some pots and soil, and let's start a garden. And it was really just this this moment of pure, just random, I don't know, excitement that really got us to do it. And it, like, like I said, it's something that I hadn't really thought about too much. But then when she kind of agreed that this would be a good idea, I was like, yeah, let's go do this. I mean, we might not be super successful at it right away. And I don't think many people necessarily are because like anything, it's a learning process. But just, you know, the fact that we started doing it um, that randomly was really how it happened. And we noticed the benefits from it right away. It's it, it, we check on them every day. We water them when they need to be watered. We, you know, we mend the branches if they happen to break. You know, we pollinate them. We make sure the bees are out there doing their thing. And it's, it just becomes this. It, and it doesn't feel time consuming either. Like, I, I feel like at first, like, man, we got to dedicate a lot of time to this. And you, in a way, you do it first to get going. Mm -hmm. It takes time and money to get started. Right, but then after that, it becomes it easier and easier. It doesn't feel like work and or anything like that. Undercover. Yeah, and I live out in the desert, so once summertime came around and the 115 degree heat started hitting the plants, it's like you could see that they were suffering. And so <laughs> it, it led me to, me and my girlfriend, to build a sunscreen for them. So it's like it also provides ways for you to be creative in that regard, too. Like you have to devise ways to make sure that plants stay cared for, uh, workaround methods, that kinds of things. You have to read more about botany and what the plants like. I mean, it educates you on so many levels too. And yeah, not, not just like putting a seed in the ground and walking away. Like you subconsciously that whole process too. how to self care, you know, like, and actually in the places right. that are valued to pay attention and in ways maybe that we're neglecting ourselves, but we can pour into a plant. I mean, 
it's it's incredible how it changes your perspective that way and and what effort you're willing to put forth to keep something thriving absolutely i have uh, well, a bunch my of plants in my house cool. but uh, i don't have you guys like have a garden outside um but in in denver there are a lot of different community gardens absolutely so it's fun that way i know you mentioned it in your article um you know gardening where is it well you said gardening is creative play oh building abundant communities it's a really cool way because you see other people like in there working and and it's a fun way to connect with people too because then you're asking them like what works for them and all those other things but personally to build a garden in in my own backyard i have yet to accomplish it (laughs) yeah it brings people together so so i actually so how i garden um (laughs) i don't have one at my own house i live five minutes away from two uh two different ants who have gardens and i basically i run their gardens for them and and you know reap the rewards not just me my cousins do you know it's like so we run the gardens for our ants and it's i mean they're they're pretty awesome they're big you know we're here in chicago so they're uh you know seasonal but tomatoes cucumbers all the herbs onions stuff like that you know those the those kind of things that you can grow over here in the midwest yeah that's that's amazing and it's amazing that you would you help your aunts and your cousins with things like that and it's it's all something that you're sharing in too like um even though they're your family you're still building community in that way too and, you know, in, in much the same way, you know, when my neighbors leave, they always ask, uh, like, leave on vacation or something. They always ask us, hey, can you wash the garden? You know, make sure that everything stays watered. So, I mean, you're you're always cultivating not right. only produce and, and life, but you're cultivating friendship with other people. And it doesn't – you don't even necessarily have to have a garden because people walk by our house all the time. And they say, oh, we like the right. garden you have in your backyard. You're and building, like, have one you're building they, strengthening relationships just and you're using your imagination and all at the same time. Plus, you get free fresh produce. Uh, <laughs> you don't need the GMO crap. Uh, it, you just want to get something off the vine. And all just right, that's it. probably a good moment to nice call it. Um, this was another fun one. This was good. Like, um, I like going deeper on, on some specific articles this time as opposed to that, you know, kind of general big picture thing we did last time. Right. And not everybody uh, is interested in reading articles all the time. So this gives uh, uh, something different to appreciate. Um, that being said, thank you both very much for participating in this podcast. I look forward to doing this again, where we'll delve deeper in some of the articles that we've written. Absolutely. And Beautiful hopefully have a wonderful discussion about what it means for us. And, and TrueRebs.com, T-R-U-E-R-E-B.com. Check Absolutely. it out.